3: Welcome to Backstory Song. I'm your host, Doug Burke. And today we're here with the members of the band Bandits on the Run. Bandits on the Run consists of three members, Adrian Ensco, Sidney Shepard, and Regina Strader, who go by stage name aliases of Roy Dodger, Bonanza Jellyfish, and Clarissa. They started their musical journey by busking in the New York City subway system. The band formed when Shepard saw Ensco busking and they struck up a conversation that led to a romantic relationship and continues as a musical collaboration today. Shepard's college friend Strayhorn joined with additional harmonies and instruments, rounding out the band. They shot their video for Love in the Underground commando style, or bandit style, without the permission of the MTA, who finally tossed them out of the subway, but not before they had got the film shots they wanted. The band features 60s throwback harmonies with a pop music cello at its core. Their new album, The Criminal Record, has been positively received and led to an invitation to perform at the Sundance ASCAP Music Cafe at the Sundance Film Festival in Park City. So let me start at the beginning. Uh I'm with Bandits on the Run. Woo! And I just cheered for us. Your members yeah. are Roy Dodger. <laughs> That's me. Bonanza Jellyfish. Hello. And Clarissa. Hello. And um do we stay in persona for this or do you-
2: the thing about the personas is, it's basically us. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a heightened version of ourselves. So you can you can call us by our real names. We'll, we'll Which respond. Are Which are Sydney, Adrian, and Regina.
4: I don't know if I can keep it all track of it all. It's Okay, we'll answer to either.
2: Yeah. Well,
3: okay. So can you tell me the background on the names, like why it fits your persona?
4: Yes, I mean, just uh, uh, when we when we started, the, the whole thing was kind of like this guerrilla. Uh, like immersive theater project idea, which was that we would be bandits on the subway and do like train car holdups in the style of the 1850s, or and engaging with this like American mythos of bandits being on the run but in kind of a romantic way
2: right so instead of like outlaws who are there to harm you it was like a robin hood sort of style thing like we're stealing your attention for something yeah we're gonna
4: bring you music for free
2: (laughs) right and so i mean you have like these sort of legendary outlaws everyone has like an alias so we all decided to create aliases for ourselves and um it all sort of comes from different inspirations like my name bonanza jellyfish is uh sort of a bastardization of a character from a Tom Robbins book, Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. There's a character named Bonanza Jellybean who I really heavily identified with and liked. So that's that's how I came up with my Where'd
4: the jellyfish part come from? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh well i this is a long story um well my name is sydney and so my 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 best friend's dad growing up would call me squidney so i like heavily identify with like uh animals with tentacles and uh, <laughs> so yeah i just thought i don't know i thought that was it uh, and, and you know they're they're weird and mysterious and dangerous it's, you know they're like otherworldly weird creatures which i like
3: I was gonna guess that you were Spongebob SquarePants fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did
2: that's I, my generation. I'd yeah, say yeah, yeah, I watched some SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. maybe but that's the answer. That's where an I thought answer. it had
4: come from. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes anyway. No, it's yeah. far more literary than that. <laughs> yes, it really is. <laughs> uh uh so for me, I guess Roy Dodger, um I I was kind of like really into this whole uh like cowboy vigilante kind of identity and I'd I been watching all these Roy Rogers videos. I love that he would like ride a horse and play guitar and sing and and I also really like the, the artful Dodger from Oliver, uh, who's like kind of a rabble rouser, someone who's like um gonna, you know, cause mischief on the streets. And so that was definitely just a conglomeration of the two of them. Oh, and Roy I like to think of myself as very princely. So okay. Roy in my mind, is short for royal, royal, royal <laughs> oh, Dodger.
3: Okay, I get it. <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, uh, for Clarissa, I like Clarissa. I have no last name um, uh, because I really kind of like people like uh, like Cher, Beyonce, Madonna, where there's no. There's just a kind of diva aspect of it, and also Clarissa um, uh, is alluding to being clairvoyant. And um, in the Bandits universe, Clarissa is a little bit more of a trickster. She's more like a Miss Cleo or like a Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost sort of figure, where she's more, where she's more of a hustler than a real uh, than a real clairvoyant. But then there are some times where she accidentally actually does have uh, mystical powers so that's where i got that from i i, I like to be quite silly um and over dramatic and uh i think that's part of where that sort of mysterious vibe comes from
3: well i i definitely got a butch cassidy in the sundance kid kind of feel i don't know if that was inspirational for you guys at oh, all definitely okay okay and then I was wondering if Bandits on the Run was at all a reference to Paul McCartney's Band on the Run song. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's okay.
4: definitely where it came from. I, I was listening to uh, a vinyl of that album in Los Angeles, actually right around the time that Regina moved to New York. So I, I knew that we all wanted to do a musical project together. We were just kind of looking for, name for for that. the identity and the kind of the game behind it. And I thought, uh, well, Band on the Run was awesome but like it'd be really fun to like make it a little bit more literal and just be bandits on the run and so that kind of like that that ended up spawning the idea of of doing these train car holdups and that was that was really what what kind of like gelled the world for us of of these characters.
3: I've read that you guys do a lot of pranky trickstery stuff in your shows and I want (laughs) to table that for a second because I really want to dive into the backstory of a song and really yeah. this is up to you to to i don't know if you've decided what song you'd like to talk about <laughs> as a group but mm. uh
4: you said uh, a couple songs as or? many as you want okay you just cool. go yeah. as long as you want there was one that you mentioned in in the, uh, well
3: i just got your criminal rec, the criminal record yeah, yeah, yeah. uh print out of of your song so but oh, that's right, right that's right which is out there I, I think i should actually talk about that i think your digital presence is better than most and that's nice to hear. Oh,
4: you. Um, <laughs> that's funny, because we we consider ourselves so much of a live act. It's nice to hear somebody uh, liking the <laughs> or appreciating the digital presence, because so much of the time, we're like, oh, but they haven't seen this yet.
5: Because yeah. because the the positive side is that we're always creating something new, and we're always, we call them shenanigans at our shows. We always are coming up with new shenanigans, and we write so much. We really like have so much material that we're working on putting out there. Um so the good news is we have a lot of stuff. Uh the bad news is is that sometimes it's so hard to translate that onto, you know, a screen. But we try. So thank you.
4: <laughs> and we're we're very picky. We like we really like to put stuff out that we're that we are totally over the moon with. So we've 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 been slower in the process of getting everything out online.
2: I mean, I think I was going to say that uh, maybe a good song to start with would be Love in the Underground. Um, oh, okay. Because it's not, I mean, it's, we're releasing it soon. So it's okay. not like Okay, so it's unreleased, so I don't
3: have the lyrics for it. Um,
2: you don't have the lyrics for it, but, but, there's, that's fine. but there's a YouTube video out for it. it. Oh, do you have to have the lyrics for no, it? No, 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 I know? don't care. Okay, Um. cool. I think it's just a good, I guess, intro to the band because it sort of like talks about a part of our origin story. Are you pulling up the lyrics? Yeah. <laughs> awesome.
6: <laughs> we're not strangers now.
3: So love in the Underground, far away.
0: Yeah.
4: Well, it's, uh, it was kind of a it was an, an interesting song for us. It, it, it was a monumental landmark because it was the first song that all three of us really heavily contributed to the lyrics. Usually, what happens? I mean, authenticity is very important to us, and so I think the best way often to get that is to have one person's voice really guide uh, the storytelling and the character.
2: Right. So, like, you'll have somebody, one of us from the band will come in with, like, a skeleton for a song, basically. So, like, sort of a general idea of melody and, like, a lot of the lyrics. And then we sort of all, like, huddle around and, you know, figure out what works and what doesn't work and start to use the instrumentation to kind of build the song. Because, like, so much of the harmonies and stuff aren't just decoration for us. It's all very sort of, kind of, like, built into the fabric of the songs. Um So, yeah, so so it is interesting because Love in the Underground was very much like all of us sitting in a kitchen in one room, like – I can't even remember who wrote what in this song, actually. Yeah. Yeah, because we... So
5: we were entered into um, a, a competition. It was the... Um, uh, the Coffee, coffee music, music Project. project. And um, uh, and that was happening, I believe, like, the first show... The first round was on a Monday. And for the the competition, you were performing an original song and then a song that you wrote about a topic, and the topic was New York. And so we were, like... Uh, time got away from us and it was the day before. And we <laughs> well, said, oh my gosh, well, we have to, we have to write a song. Well, well, um, well, well, and, well, that's, wait,
4: and that's, and that's, wait, wait, wait. we can go yeah. further back yeah. though. Cause like back. really the story starts with, we got accepted into the competition. We were, uh, we were on tour in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were sitting around having brunch and we got this email and we were talking about ideas for the song and we were like, what could encapsulate Uh, life in New York and we really wanted to frame it in a positive light because typically people can be really dark about New York and say like oh it's so hard to be an artist in New York and that seemed like an easy choice so we wanted to make it to tell a positive uplifting story which uh, was readily available to us because um, in fact Sydney and I met on the subway Oh no uh, way! Yeah, <clears throat> when we first Sydney and Regina had had gone to school together, and they they had written co-written songs uh, over over their time at school. Um, but when I met Sydney, I was just playing music on the subway. Um, I, I got really into busking the first year that I moved to New York, and Sydney came down the stairs, and uh, it was a relatively deserted subway stop. So essentially, I was just playing songs for Sydney. And
3: did she have her cello? She no, didn't, he didn't have her cello, oh, okay. but okay. I found
4: out very quickly that she was the cellos because I started talking to her and then when the train came I I kind of I was like oh actually I was gonna get on the train um so yeah we'll, uh, let's go together calling, yeah, let's, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take the train together um and then we started talking found out that we were both musicians and well, you could tell you were yeah yeah <laughs> I, I kind of led with that but it was it was a, a a totally random kind of chance encounter that happened in a way that really I mean, it, it could happen in public transport anywhere, but New York, New York subway system is very iconic to New York and uh, as like kind of a mixing pot, right. melting pot for and, everybody.
2: And like the fact that like such a formative experience could yeah. happen like in that second because like, it, because of something that was like built in New York was really exciting. So we we actually named the song Love in the Underground before we wrote any <laughs> anything else. Like we decided that was the title, like mm-hmm. at brunch that they were like, yep. okay, we're going to write about meeting. Okay, Loving Underground. That's a good title. And then like Also because just, the, like, the
4: competition was uh, was was run by these uh, really wonderful people from London. Um, and so we were we, that's the reason that we called it the Underground instead of the subway. Although yeah, I don't think that's love, not the reason. I mean, <laughs> I no, think no no, the, no, 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 that's
2: not the reason. <laughs> yeah. That was a happy coincidence. Yeah. That's not we weren't thinking, "Oh, we're going to win this British competition. We're going to say the Underground." No. Loving oh. the Underground is more <laughs> poetic than loving the subway. That sounds so dumb. Yeah. No, that is false information.
5: And the rhymes would have been totally different if it was love in the subway. We that's liked the true. rhymes and loved in the underground.
4: <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, so when we actually got in the room, we, we we usually do. We're we're very lucky as a band because we don't need to rent most of the time. We don't rent uh, rehearsal space. We are very acoustic. We have pretty minimal percussion, so we're able, and we don't have a bass player, so we're able to kind of work around a kitchen table so that's where we do a lot of our work and we were just sitting around the kitchen table and we we really like kind of mapped out the story together, like Regina would say a line, and we'd be like, "Oh, I like that, How does that sound in a melody?" and we were just kind of we talked it over for this whole night, and we basically wrote the entire melody and maybe not the bridge there was some there were some yeah. holes in it. And uh, we had one more day to rehearse it after that. And we kind of smoothed it all over just in time for the competition. We went for the first day of the first round of the competition and we ended up making it through to the next round, um, which we also <laughs> won a couple weeks later. And so nice. the, the prize is actually going to London and playing at the London Coffee Festival and recording the song there, which we basically just kind of used as an exercise mm-hmm. to... To demo it out
5: yeah because because this particular song is really special because we worked on it after the competition as well which which i feel like is a little bit more unique and also something that we're doing more now where we are like uh, this particular song they as a whole the way that its first iteration we were pretty happy with it but there were some moments where we're like oh i think that, that could be Make more sense, so that could be, uh, you know, I'm not a biggest fan of this as I could be, and and we went back and we changed a couple things, and um, yeah, we rewrote
4: lyrics after that first, the uh, after probably about uh, nine months after we'd written the song, we were going back rewriting lyrics, and then even a year later we revamped the bridge,
2: which is a big reason why it's not out yet, because <laughs> we, because because like this song is such a calling card for us because it's so distinctively us, like the instrumentation, the harmonies, everything the is story. so us, and the story, of course. But one thing about this that I do think the whole like British competition thing did influence was was that we found these harmonies that we were like, oh, that is kind of Beatles-y. And then we like really leaned into that in this song. And so I think a lot of the songs we've written post Love in the Underground have had a little more Beatles influence as well, <laughs> I would venture to say. Not in like any sort of like like obvious way, but um, but that was a really good sort of just to find out that we could do something like that was a cool uh, milestone for us, I think.
3: I think that you hit on one of the things I love about your sound, and that is the combination of this unusual instrumentation and harmonies. Mm. And um, in particular, I think you are the, the second rock cellist that, <laughs> that I've actually seen, <laughs> but the first one I've actually listened to a recording of and um, kind of funky. Yeah. Yeah. so tell me about that like yeah how did that happen
6: yeah i, <laughs> mean. I was in, I
3: the only other one i was in austin texas on sixth street and there was a cellist and a guitarist and i was like oh i never saw that before mm-hmm.
4: you know, and but
3: fast they, forward I, to bandits on the run <laughs> yeah
2: well I mean, <laughs> that wasn't you right no. <laughs> maybe in a lo- could, another could, life Who we knows? played
4: in austin oh you before. have yeah on the street in austin <laughs> <laughs>
2: But uh, yeah, the, no, the, the funny thing is I th- I think that it's becoming more of a moment now, like having s- strings in more rock and folk bands, mm-hmm. um, it, which is funny because like when we first started playing together, people like assumed we were like a bluegrass band or like like a super folky band, which like I guess is just like from the way we look in our instruments. But it's it, we've had to like really draw a line and be like, no, we have our own sound, we are our own genre just because the instruments look like this doesn't mean that that's like that's who we are. And I don't know, but there's there's cello baked into a lot of like a lot of pop and rock songs, you know what I mean? It's it's just when it's someone playing it live and singing and standing up, then that like really brings that to the forefront, which is yeah. which is unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um because it's such a melodic instrument, but the way we use it, we we also use it as a percussive instrument cuz for the longest time we didn't have a drummer and now Adrian's feet are the drummer cuz he plays a suitcase drum. <laughs> Um, I also use but it as it's a, a, v- a and I use it as a bass, But it's a very versatile instrument because it's so similar to the human voice. Like so a lot of times, it's our fourth band member, like vocally speaking. So mm. it's 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 really an invaluable instrument in the band for sure.
4: Yeah, I I have so much uh, artistic respect for for Sydney for being able to sing and also play a lead line at the same time. That is not easy, especially without frets. I I I can't even say that I would be able to do that on a guitar. Um, but I think one of the things that kind of defines us is that we're really just working with what what we have mm-hmm. as as uh, artists, as instrumentalists and, our, and with our voices, you know we we're, we never we, we are constantly pushing our boundaries with what we have. but uh, but like for instance, we've we've never really had a drummer, so we've kind of, found ways to be that that percussion, that rhythm section just between the three of us, whether it's Regina playing the shaky banana and the tambourine, mm-hmm. which is what, how – those were the chief instruments that you in started out yeah. with. Um, and then the addition – now I have a suitcase kick drum that I use just to kind of like give a little bit of foundation. I also have a foot tambourine that I play in our live sets. And, yeah, Sydney really – does hold down the the bass line a lot of the time. And then but it's amazingly she's also able to give these soaring cello solos. So it's kind of an amazing dual purpose uh instrument or array of instruments that we have.
5: Yeah, well, I I think that people respond to our music, and I think a lot of that comes from it's really, really personal to us. Like we are working with what we have, and we're, we're we've never ever tried to fit into something or or change our sound to fit into a certain mold. We really are led by what we like as individuals and as a group, and a lot. And our tastes are super eclectic, and our strengths are super eclectic too. And I think that that's been really lucky, and in the alchemy of all of our different backgrounds, has led us to the sounds that is sort of like you can't quite pin it down into one genre, which has been frustrating at times because the number one thing people ask is, what genre are you? And we're like, well, we're a little bit of everything. Um, but but I love that and I wouldn't change it for the world because I, I think that music, in, in, at least the music that I like to listen to and the artists that I really enjoy, I feel like always are kind of playing with genre and I feel like the the lines between genres are sort of floating a little bit. It's, it's more music is more accessible
3: well, definitely there's harmonies in every song, it seems like. Oh,
4: yeah. Oh, yeah. Harmony is the backbone. I mean, I would really consider harmony the essential voice of, of Bandits on the Run. Um, we don't do a song where there isn't three-part harmony oh. in some aspect. Um, also, our arrangement of having three gives us the ability to have, like, a leading voice and back and a backup section of voices, which is really a wonderful versati- versatility,
5: um, and and we're unique in that we switch off who's the lead voice, so that also gives us more versatility.
4: Yeah, and we we trade. I mean, I call it the stack. Like, uh, who's singing the low, the middle, and the high? We th- we don't have like a set arrangement. I mean, we have like kind of some sweet spots that we found over the years, but oftentimes me and Regina are trading. Uh, who we're switching back and forth, or me and Sydney will switch back and forth, or Sydney and Regina will switch back and forth, and we'll do these like crossing. Uh, harmonic lines and so like it's always really fun to be arranging with these with these wonderful humans uh, Mm -hmm. because we try lots of different stuff and
3: (laughs) well it definitely for me evokes the 60s and definitely you mentioned the Beatles I also think of the Mamas and the Papas Mm -hmm. and the Birds and uh, Crosby Stills Nash and you know the classic Laurel Canyon Mm -hmm. harmonic sound, and I don't know if that would be a way to describe, you know, they didn't use a cello and a suitcase <laughs> drum as much, I don't think.
4: I mean, that was actually a lot of what we were listening to when we started. And in fact, for a while, we were playing kind of like more in the vein of like doo and... 50s and
3: 60s totally yeah. and I, and I was also thinking Phil Spector produced yeah. without the wall of sound it was like kind of like these these uh, Shirelles kind of
4: yeah. a lot of you yeah. know we played uh, a Shirelles song when we first started
2: uh, Yeah cuz we, we we were busking in the subway we we were obviously just starting out as a band so we didn't have many original songs so a lot of the covers we would choose to do would be things like that like the Shirelles or
3: I ask this when you write the lyrics out. I call it the woo-woos. When 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 it's like woo-woo, woo-woo, hoo-hoo, loo Like, yeah, what do you actually write when you when like some of yeah. your songs have the woo-woos? Oh in, yeah. Like name some of your songs that have that kind Oh of like, stuff. A lot of our songs. A lot of <laughs> <laughs> right. funky
4: ghost has like the iconic. woo-woo. <laughs> definitely <laughs>
7: cowboy on the run. Yeah. Cowboy on the run.
4: Yeah. Oh,
6: like-
4: yeah. What do we? um, My favorite new one is we have this song, She's the Queen, that we've been working on. That uh that that we have this like da 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 which is like that syllable is so much fun to,
2: the to babas. jam. Up.
3: Yeah,
4: the bapas
3: yeah. and the datas.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just bapas We we we're like we're, we're like a trumpet section for like thirty yeah, yeah. seconds in that song, which yeah. is so fun. Because
5: yeah. um, I think I think um uh, the uses of la la's wo shananas mm-hmm. like they need to come back because they're super fun. <laughs> yeah, so it's,
4: it's it's the voice as an instrument, yeah. like from the the solo like, instrumental soloist kind of like. like what Louis Armstrong would do with his with uh, with uh, with his like vocal lines, he was just kind of like re- redoing a trumpet line with his voice, and and I I think that there's a lot to be said for that.
3: And so, do you do that? Do you like create that when you're working on the song, performing it, or do you actually like write it out? I think this would be da 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 da. <laughs> yeah.
5: well, we write it out. You write it out? Yeah, we write it out. Yeah, it's, it's, um, uh, I mean, there'll, there'll be sometimes when we're in the early, early forms of writing a song, um, and performing it, like when we're busking or if right. we're like kind of just, uh, showing it to friends where, where we'll improvise some of those things mm-hmm. and then go, oh, well, that's, that's interesting. Let's put, add that in. But for the most part, they're very, uh, to us, like, uh, a, uh, a, a very essential part of the song so it goes <laughs> like you know as much as anything else is, has uh, care and love and attention paid to it those definitely have
4: 100 as much the the question all always amounts to being uh, what what syllable it is like there are many times when we go back and forth like is that a mm, or, or an ooh or, ooh, or an ah he? we're very familiar with the different things that those different syllables conjure right like ah is, like more of a flat sound or a wider sound, and ooh is a little bit better for like being a mellower background vocal. It re- it really depends on what we're using it for.
3: <clears throat> a love in the underground.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Love
3: in the underground.
4: Yeah, I don't even think we've told the full story. <laughs> well, yeah, keep going. No,
2: we've told a lot of it. Well, no, no,
4: no, no. I mean, this is <laughs> cool because because we're coming up on on a release. We're about so so uh, in the last year. We've we've kind of put the cap on on the final version of the song. Mm -hmm. Um, When we were out, we did a a little bit of time in in California, um, which was a really great place to just kind of like spitball and and put the finishing touches on things. And then we, we entered that song into the Tiny Desk contest at NPR Music. Uh, we didn't win the contest, but they really liked the song and they featured it. They invited us to play at the Tiny Desk on the Road Show, and so that kind of it really has become our calling card for like on the national music scene, which is great because it really does kind of tell our story and our and our vibe. But recently, we were going into the studio to record with our uh, our friend and producer William Garrett. He kind of was able to sneak us into uh, uh, Electric Lady Studios in the village in in Manhattan. And uh, this is an old studio. It's a storied studio because Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix recorded there. And the architect who designed Studio A has gone on to do a bunch of different uh, studios around the world and recording studios. We did the whole thing in one day or two days. And at the end of the second day, William was going to go. uh, He was mixing. I think he was comping a, a vocal track. And he was like, "I need some time. Why don't you guys just uh, go over to the piano and like do a different version of, it, figure out a different version of the song?" And so we we spent a bunch of well, probably about an hour figuring out how we could play the song with just piano and vocals.
0: Well, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the
5: inspiration was really like um, I think I think. Uh, Maybe I was privy to this with William when when you were recording something, but the piano in that room was so great. And so that that was really so, yet again, we kind of ended up writing another version of Love (laughs) in the Underground, but but this one was just with different arrangements because the piano in the studio was so fabulous. And we were like, what if, you know, what if we just did just a really quick. (laughs) Quick take of a a version of this song on the piano. Um, And that's what we ended up doing. And uh, we loved it so much that we were like, okay, well, we really have to, we really have to give this honor this version because it, 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 again, it kind of happened in a snap, but it was like, uh, we found it to be really lovely. And it it, uh, unveiled another side of the story of the song, having having a different vibe, having different instrumentation.
2: Um, that, And so we wanted to make share that as well. And honestly, it was really refreshing as songwriters who work with similar instruments most of the time to like sit down just at a piano, which is an instrument we never use, and use only a piano in our voices and see what happened. And it was really illuminating because it was like, okay, yeah, it is a good song. It's not like just the bells and whistles of like, how cool it is that the cool instruments that we play and like our stage presence or whatever like like at its essence like it it's actually a good song which is cool and validating and like i'm really excited for people to hear it because so many people are familiar with the other version like just to see like the different colors that come out when you, something as simple as like taking down the tempo and changing an instrument can tell just a completely different story.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, uh, we're we're working on the release right now. It's going to be an A-side, B-side of the same song. Oh. Lots of different harmonies and completely different arrangements. The A-side is very up-tempo and bright. The B-side, uh, the piano version, is a lot more melancholy and, and lonely. Um, and we're excited for that uh, dichotomy to come out in this release. We're also working on a video that kind of goes through both sides of the song, um,
5: yeah. So, so, And it also, this song is definitely an example of how we're taking our time a little bit more as a band as we go through, which I, f- I feel bad sometimes because I know it's frustrating for our fans who come to our shows. And, and we have so many new songs that we're playing and they always are asking us, when are they coming out? And we're like, yeah. we promise we're doing it as, as fast as we can. But but we really are giving ourselves time as a band now to experiment a little bit more with our songs and to give it a little bit more... Um, uh air as we're recording it because everything that we want to put out, I think we said before, we want it to be uh oh, yeah. The, the yeah, the best version that it can can be. So yeah, so we're really excited with how this song has developed over time and releasing the A side and B side and the two music videos is really gonna demonstrate like like the different sides of this one song.
3: Well I think it's fascinating to me that You're releasing an actual 45 that might get played on jukeboxes if they still exist. And I don't know. We hope so. (laughs) I don't know anybody who has a 45 record player anymore, but I guess they're coming back. (laughs) Oh, they're definitely coming back. Actually, we have
4: a friend that just worked on a production, uh, a TV production with, uh, with Sarah Barry Ellis, and the cast present was actually record players.
3: so vinyl is definitely i know vinyl is coming back and i guess like you still can put those little plastic inserts in the record and play them on either 35 or 45 you can actually
4: you can do they're making 45s now with the tiny pinhole center (laughs) so you you
3: you can do it you can play it on a a regular record player you don't you don't need the little inserts thank god (laughs) (laughs) well that's wonderful that you're doing that now you touch on something that i ask a lot of the songwriters when Mm. do you know a song is done and it sounds like this one's been hard Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's a a very hard thing like when is it done like do you have to get out and perform it and get the audience reaction and then do you try new stuff when you perform
6: like do you experiment (laughs) Uh Um,
5: i you know i think this answer might be kind of maddening but i think that When you know, you know. Like I know, I know, I know. It's so cheesy. But for example, we have this one song, Cadillac, that we've been working on for at this point a couple years. And the thing is, we performed, we performed it. We've been experimenting, and the audience likes it every iteration that we do, and we like it. But we just don't have that, like you know, like like like. Uh, punch to the gut, like all kind of knowing, like aha, this is like you need to stop. Like I feel like you know how like painters have a moment where you're just like I don't put anything else on there. We've had that feeling with songs before, and um, it's it's kind of a very ephemeral feeling.
4: Mm. Yeah, I feel like you you kind of know when it's done when you wanna when you as the artist want to play it again and again when you keep coming back to it as like a this is this is me. This is uh, I I feel like. When something is not totally finished, we always are going into it, playing it, like being like, we should play this to like try to to workshop it. But it's not as full as much of a full throated endorsement of the song yet until until it's at that point, you know. But there have been, I mean, Love in the Underground. I thought we were, I thought we were done with it before we ended up putting the final touches on it. So it, I don't know. It is hard to know.
2: Uh. I, I think it's different for everyone, too. And, and I mean, the three of us are really emotional people. Um, and so I um, like I don't like my first my first impulse was to be like, I know it's done when I cry. like <laughs> because I, I don't know. There's like the there's like a switch, you know, and it's like it ha- it doesn't happen for every song. But for most of her songs, I feel like there's like a an arrival point where it feels like almost like relief or something like mm, there's like this catharsis. wind that feels like, all right, it's 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 ready to be seen yeah when you want to play it for people i feel like that's when it's like it's like we want to show people like like look what we made like that's i don't know yeah Yeah, there there there's just there i don't know there's like an emotional
3: do you have different types of cry like eskimos have different words for snow oh i have so many (laughs)
2: cries (laughs) i cry all i love crying is that like a finished
3: song cry there's a finished
2: song cry there's like a frustrated why can't i sing this right cry Mm -hmm. There's a why did I write such a hard song to play for myself? Cry, like there's, there's a, lot a why is
4: this song so sad? Or the subject material? Why is it so sad? Yeah. Cry.
5: There, there's a soft dewy after it's all done. Looking at the audience, like wow, aren't we lucky? <laughs> cry.
3: <laughs> That's my favorite cry. There's a happy yeah. cry.
4: Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the happy cry. Yeah.
5: There's a there's a, oh my god! I messed that harmony up again. I have to try again. Cry.
4: But sometimes that's just a blank stare, though, like I'm dead
3: inside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about another song. Yeah. Are we done on Love, we, yeah. love in the Underground? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm glad you called it The Underground and not The Subway. Because, <laughs> like, Love, love and in the, the subway. subway sounds not like
6: subway. this awful thing. <laughs> and it was
2: about poetry, not about the, the UK transit system.
4: For me, it was about the UK transit system. Okay, that's well, okay.
2: agree to disagree. Okay. <laughs> What song do you want to talk about?
3: Uh, You know, I I like the um, cowboy one.
7: Oh, yeah. 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 Okay.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to know that you are not where you think you are, but in the deserts of New Mexico. And beneath you is not your floor, but dust and tumbleweeds. If you listen very closely, you can still hear the rumble of the train.
7: wow rivers running through loving it with you inspiration comes like the next day the next and the next That's a great
4: song to to start or to go on to because it was one of our one of our earliest Parker songs. And in fact you uh, Regina, aka Clarissa, wrote the, the lyrics to the song before we even before I even met you.
5: Yeah. So the beginnings of this song, it's called Cowboy on the Run. Before I moved to new york, i was I was good friends with Sydney, but I hadn't met Adrian yet. And, um, I wanted to move to New York. But like, kind of long story short, I was stuck in North Carolina, working on a house, and I kept on it was one of those situations where I had to to wait way longer than I wanted to to move. Um, and I was feeling really stuck and also in like a creative rut. I just came out of school, and I was coming from a time where I was creating. Every day, and that's like my nature, and so to to be in a place where that wasn't happening felt really uh, difficult and a struggle, and it's kind of like life just slapping in the face, and so I wrote the uh, the words and the melody uh, and like a couple of chords to Cowboy on the Run, like in like in the small house in North Carolina, as as a way of expressing my frustration because the song is sort of sort of framed as uh, a romantic relationship where the cowboy has left. But um, and I don't say this too often because people have different people listen to the song and have different like interpretations of what it means. But for me, when I wrote it, it's about uh, an artistic life going away for a bit Um, about uh, the opportunity to create leaving for a moment and how that was making me feel very, um, deserted and very lost. It's, it's actually kind of a beautiful story that, uh, I never expected to be in a band. I kind of you know, wrote songs for fun. i most, my background is I mostly was writing poetry. And then when me and Sydney were in school together, like we were friends, we were hanging out. And I was like, oh, look, I wrote this poem. And she was like, let's put it to music. And and then we ended up kind of having a very easy, easy collaboration. And then obviously that has grown from there. She was like,
3: that song needs a cello.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, for, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so when I moved to New York, I moved in with Sydney. And then we were, all three of us, we were hanging out in the apartment all the time. I don't even remember the exact moment when I showed it to you guys but i'm sure that i was like oh i have this thing that i wrote and then we added harmonies and adrian made the guitar part so much better and we performed it in the subway and it's really funny to think about when the song started and where it is now it's like you know talk about like wanting wanting art to come back into your life i mean i like that has happened in a super major way yeah so that's the genesis point of that song and that was one of the first songs that we performed together as a band because when we were first getting together and playing in the subway, um, how we were like, "Okay, well, we need to go down there and it's like, we whoa, well, what songs do we know together? Like, oh, we should write some songs. We definitely our impulse as as people is to sort of perform first and then <laughs> and, and and then work, the work out the details later.
3: so <laughs> what are the lyrics about?
5: So so the lyrics are um, about missing a creative life that has left you but it also could be about any love in your life for me it's it's art but for anybody else, it could be something that you once had that was has gone and also we the the we we're playing with being bandits on the run and we we're talking you know working with cowboy imagery in the American West and uh, that sort of the image of a cowboy riding into the sunset, but we, that we think of all the time. But what about the person that the cowboy left? Like, how do they feel, you know?
3: So I've inter- interviewed a lot of country and Western musicians, both country and Western. Oh. Um, I actually covered the um, Western poetry, uh, which is wow. just this awesome crowd of people. You guys have to come to it and play. <laughs> It'd be wonderful. Uh, but this is not a country Western song.
5: no. It's sort of it's it's very like inspired by those themes, but it's a, but a, it's uh, I don't know how exactly you describe it. It's uh, at times it's um it's
4: funny because there's there's a certain like motown six eight vibe mm-hmm. vibe to it too, although obviously we didn't have the full arrangement of Motown. um it that it, it it I think thematically though, it has the wistfulness of a lot of a lot of country western stuff. Um, and and the brokenheartedness of of yes. of of, um, mm-hmm. of that. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It's yeah. it's funny to go that far back uh, because that was really when we were in the heart of our like. Old timey duophie phase. Yes, mm-hmm. it's so, a
3: very duophie. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah, and we we were writing a lot of songs in six eight at that point.
2: Yes, yeah, um,
4: and playing uh, like a cover of uh, Blue Moon in six eight that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but at a certain point, we had to like cut ourselves off from from six eight for a time <laughs> um, <laughs> because because you can't play six eight on every
3: song. So on Spotify, your top most popular songs are What to Do, Funky Ghost. Potted Plant, Paris, and Blue Heaven. I like Blue Heaven.
6: <laughs> I really like that song. But no, no, you I like them all. There's a good story
4: behind behind Blue Heaven. Um, that was one that we wrote probably in the first year or so of being together. Actually, we all lived at a certain point in this loft building in in Brooklyn. That had amazing staircases, just three stories, but they're kind of stacked in an interesting, weird way. And so I have a very vivid uh, memory of Regina showing me the lyrics to that song and, and the, the melody that she was thinking. And she was like, I think it needs a xylophone hit right here. And we were, that was happening out in the, in the staircase with these like wonderful acoustics.
2: Well, I, I remember um, she she showed you that, but I was gone because I was in yeah. Seattle mm-hmm. um, doing a show for like a couple months. And then I came back and we were like talking about Bandits and Regina's like, I have this idea for a song. And I distinctly remember us like going into the staircase specifically, like for her to show us the song. And um, she just had her xylophone and she like sang the song a cappella but did like the xylophone hit that goes bing, 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 bing. And it was like, I just, I loved it so much, yeah. but it was like. <laughs> It just makes I, I don't me think know, of just, the
3: Jimmy Kimmel show where they yeah, do that, where they play the
0: xylophone
2: all around. But the- I just, I definitely remember like distinctly the first time I heard that song was like, let's go into the staircase, we've got the xylophone. And I just like, I don't know, like that That birth story is like so distinct in my yeah, mind. Yeah. yeah.
4: But Reg, why don't you talk about, about the story behind writing it?
2: Yeah,
5: yeah. So the story behind writing it um, is... it's kind of an experiment on um, how can you talk about harder aspects of love and package it in a really fun, friendly, playful uh, musical frame. Because uh, when I was writing the words for it, it was coming from a point where um, my uncle had just passed away and my family was going through a hard time and I had friends whose family members were also passing away and it felt very much like there was just, there was just a big awareness of death, which sounds very heavy, but that's what was happening at the time. And it just made me rethink like certain relationships that I have in my family and, uh, you know, and things that are strained and things, you know, that at the end of the day, like what's most important is loving the people that you're with and being very generous with love and not letting like, the small. Um, is it okay? If, is it okay if I curse on this? Yeah, earth yet? yeah. Not letting the bullshit of life get in the way of, of loving people to your full capacity and in the way that they deserve, you know. Uh, and so, um, the so the song yeah. is about that, but it's kind of a, a a heavy, complex topic. But we wanted, but we wanted really to to. Make the song fun and a dance tune, and kind of funky and kind of silly. Yeah, so I, I, I like pairing kind of opposites, you know. Yeah, no,
3: a lot of your music has that serious <laughs> lyric, thoughtful lyric, you know, against sort of a playful, goofy, mm. f- fun melody mm. with the harmonies overlaid, and
4: that's and, what that's what we try to do. In in a nutshell, is is uh, huh? like uh, retain the emotional authenticity of our lyrics, or the the emotional state that we're, that the lyrics come from and the personal stories behind them, but uh, dress them up in in a a fun, unique, uh, engaging way. And that's, that's also what we're trying to do with our bandits personas is just that we feel like that it gives permission for everybody at our concerts to like kind of exist in a world that's, that's maybe not so, uh heavy and weighty with the reality of the world outside just the, anybody can be a bandit and anybody can join this playful atmosphere but we are going to talk about the the real the real shit that's happening to us in our lives you know
3: mean to you guys
6: uh
4: <laughs> right. I, I think we probably all have different uh different interpretations of it but to me i mean it's a it's a song about about loving people despite all the the pain that you may inflict on on each other which i think is like kind of the truest the truest reason for love or the truest way of loving is yeah. like you you always hurt the ones you love mm-hmm. like the emotional proximity that you have with your with your friends and family means that you're gonna the People are gonna yeah. get hurt sometimes, but you just work through it, and and you you, you it's it kind of sums up what we like all the tr- stuff that we've gone through as a band. We've we've been through some tough times, but we we've always like kind of pulled together and con- continued to communicate.
2: <laughs> no, I mean I think that's great. I mean I was just gonna say I think the term blue heaven is clever because I mean heaven is just this sort of ultimate feeling of bliss, and then you've got blue witches, you know. There's like a whole genre of music dedicated to being sad called the blues. You know what I mean. So it's like it it's those it's those things coexisting and somewhat that's
3: oxymoronic. Like human.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
5: And and that's what that's what love is. I mean, I, whenever you love somebody, you're uh, it's not it's not true love if you're not willing to be hurt. And sometimes you do get hurt because you're being vulnerable. And that's what you know. That's that's the risk that you take in order to actually actually love in a way that is big and bold and, and heavenly, you know, in order to get that, you have to resign yourself to the fact that this crazy idea of like, perfect love doesn't exist. It's like, it's a blue heaven. That's what heaven is. Heaven is a blue heaven.
3: Was yeah. this written about a person specifically um, uh, or?
5: Yeah, it was, it was written about a couple people. Okay. Um, uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. And do they know that?
5: Um, no, okay. which is funny. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll send him this podcast and be like, hint, hint.
6: <laughs> You got that look in your eyes again.
3: What To Do, that's your most popular on Spotify. Yes.
2: Yeah. This song is kind of another one with sort of dark lyrics, I guess. Um, I was at a time, I guess I was like in my early 20s writing this song where I felt um, very frustrated. I feel like a few of my songs come from a place of frustration, which is strange, but just like feeling feeling a little worn down and unsure of – Um, the direction that I wanted to take and being like not a great person because of it. Like, like feeling, feeling like, because I felt like I was sort of like climbing up a wall and like falling back down again so many times that sort of damages your generosity of spirit. So this song was sort of like a, a pledge to myself to, I like when it's like i'm going to get it right this time with love no jealousy or spite this time like get up it, it was it's a, it's a song to myself honestly i was just like it, it's a monologue basically like i like lo- like looking at myself in the mirror and being like i'm seeing this hurt that you're going through and like it's not over it's going to be okay you know so yeah it's it's a very sort of like introspective thing yeah, I mean, I think there was like a bridge in that song when I first oh, yeah. wrote it and then like we like took it out cuz we decided we didn't need it like that. But it, but it was a pretty fast, right? Like I feel like I wrote that song in like an afternoon, mostly.
5: And like going back to what we were saying before, that song is one of those songs where like a switch was flipped and we we're like, yeah, it's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really I really love this song and this song is definitely one that people respond very, very viscerally to, and I think it's because Sydney, like, like the fact that it is a monologue. It's always so tempting to think, like, in frustrating moments, that you're the only person who's ever felt a feeling, and I think it's really mm-hmm. relieving for our audiences to hear that song because I get people coming up to me all the time saying how much they love it because you know I think people really feel seen by that song, and yeah. I, it, that's been that's been really exciting to me to hear from people over the years is is how people put that. That song on loop
2: um you know <laughs> yeah. it's nice well and going going back to like what you said about cowboy on the run like that's that's how i felt when i was writing this song but people have come to me with like different interpretations like like that song like got me through a breakup or like someone told me it was the song they listened to on the subway when the train is stuck to like calm themselves <laughs> down, which I thought was like so awesome. And, and, Wait till you
1: hear yeah. <laughs> Love in the Underground. <laughs>
2: right. But and then like someone else, it's, it's kind of funny. The day after the 2016 election was our like single release of that song, Funky Ghost and Paris. So we had like a big concert like the day after the election and we had a lot of friends who were really bummed out and a lot of them said that that song really resonated to them, like in terms of like the world (laughs) in that moment, which I thought was just like, wild Cause I would have never expected that to be like a resonant thing in that situation. So it's just like, you never know, like once you've created it, it's not yours anymore. It's like, it's everyone's and, and they're going to use it how they need to use it. So, so.
4: I mean, I, this might be a great way to talk about the way that we, Generally, kind of work on songs is uh, often someone will, one of us will come with an idea or or a melody, a a set of lyrics and a a melody, and we'll all sit down together and kind of figure out the rhythm, the tone, the instrumentation, even the chords. And this was a song that I really remember having a simple chord structure originally that kind of morphed into like these different chords that we could play that would bring out a little bit of the darkness behind it. Mm. And it was also one of the first songs that we really, really dipped into uh, these using our, our voices... As instruments in a in an innovative way, we we
5: have
3: this section.
5: You have the,
2: the oos yeah, yeah. and the, the
3: doo-doos in this yeah. song. Which yeah,
4: is,
5: um, which is definitely a little Lou Reed uh, nod. <laughs> oh, is
2: well, it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. A lot of this song is a Lou Reed nod, actually. Like the first couple chords kind of sound like the beginning of what is it? Take a Walk uh, take on the, walk the, wild, on the side. wild Side. So like, yeah. which is funny, but like I've yeah, I don't no, know. But right. but when, but we, when we, we when we were doing the doo-doos, then that's like when that came together. Like yeah.
4: well, originally the first draft of the song we had. The do 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 yeah do 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 from Take a Walk in the Wild Side. We're just doing that instead of do 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 do. And you're like, we can't do that. It's yeah, already been right, right, like done. That's too much. <laughs> well, that's so it's already been done. The time, we were actually. It's funny because we. The, it was right around the same time as Cowboy on the Run. Or we'd written well, a on Cowboy out. on the Run like a couple yeah. months before, and we had made a reference to uh, a Bang Bang Shoot Shoot of the Beatles. Like reference
2: amazing songs at all.
4: Yeah, great artist steel, steal, right? But I'm really happy with, in the end we like ended up having this like echoing thing where. Regina and I were just trading doos, uh, and it was it, it. It's a really fun moment to play live too, because it kind of feels like we, you know, the arrangement has been so big up until that point, and then it really like swoops back, and it's just the cello and the and those two voices trading off, and it like it, it's. I mean, it's thrilling for me when when we get to those moments.
3: Yeah. You know what I love about your cello? Um, it reminds me of Tammy Rogers, who I interviewed from the Steel Drivers. Um mm-hmm. would, uh, and she plays the fiddle. And mm. um but when you listen to her, she plays the fiddle like an electric guitar. She does these electric guitar solos, like you do solos. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. like classical cello solos. You're you're making sounds that sound, you know, much more like you know, a guitarist on a solo.
2: I think it's because I listen to that kind of music more than I do classical now. Like I have, I haven't really. I'll still dabble in classical music. I love it, but it's like my.
3: You're doing rock solo. Yeah,
2: well, yeah. The the things that make me like that light me up are you know more rock based. So yeah, it's. And
4: it, it's uh, I have to say, as uh, as Sydney's bandmate, it's really fun to watch her come up with a solo, and often they're being developed over. Over a long time. Oh yeah.
2: Time. I never know when a solo is done. Like when it's like <laughs> right. <laughs> like I'm always experimenting with
4: it. Which makes play. recording really funny because often like will it'll change during the course of, of recording a song. Mm-hmm. And then y- you know, it's up on the internet forever and <laughs> and it, it it will always be that way, or we're making a distinct change from it mm-hmm. when, when we play it live.
3: I would never guess that this is an introspective song. You know, the, the opening lyric, you got that look in your eyes, it's mm-hmm. like you're having a conversation with someone else, or you're you're not a yeah. conversation. You're looking at someone else, but. Mm-hmm. You
2: know, I journal a lot, and sometimes I do talk to myself as, like, you are feeling this. Like, so I don't know. Yeah, I think this kind of comes from that, I guess. But, yeah, that, you're totally right. It sounds like an insane person. It's like, I wrote this song about myself talking to myself. Uh, yeah.
4: I think that's why people sometimes construe it as a breakup song right, or yeah, about yeah. not being able to access uh, your partner's uh, emotions right. in yeah. some ways because you are, like, looking – You're looking through a mirror in this song that like you can't necessarily get past the wall, you know?
5: But I I love hearing people's different interpretations of songs. Yes. It's endlessly fascinating because we know the original impulse, and we also know each other very well. So, like, I will never get tired of people coming up and being like, oh, yeah, that song, thank you for it. It reminds me of this. And sometimes it will literally be the exact opposite of what we thought. (laughs) But we never correct anybody because it's like, if that's what it is for you, that's what it is for you. And that's, like, so fun for us to to hear about and to understand, and it makes us kind of – I don't know. Think about the nature of songwriting in a really fun, yeah. fun way. That like, if you're honest um, and you put something out there, like obviously it's it means one thing to you, but that honesty sort of almost means more than the actual literal intention. Yeah. You know, like people can feel the truth of it, but sometimes they like build their own narrative around it and it's fascinating mm-hmm. it's fascinating what people say
4: yeah everybody everybody listens to songs in their own way and it's kind of beautiful everybody plays songs in their own way it's such an it can be such an individual unique experience um what you get from a particular song and another funny song that that happens with is paris i think
5: oh my god paris. <laughs> oh, let's
3: talk about paris
5: oh my right? god all the time i love this so song. so many people so many people come up to me and go i'm heartbroken um, you must have really had your heart broken. Like this song is like a breakup song, and I actually, to me, it's a love song. <laughs> you know, like a to to me, the song is about um, uh, finding someone or something that's so exciting to you. And who knows if you'll ever get the you know the fantasy A plus plus version, but any version that you get is going to be exciting. <sighs>
7: paris but you can draw me like one of your french girls i dream of getting married you dream of traveling the world i've never been to paris but baby maybe that's all right because when i look at you now i see my own city of light hold it steady camera ready Three, two, one, and I'm dying to expose. We're getting older, getting poor. If it's something, God only knows. I think I love you. I think I know how. I think I want to. That I'm ready now, but going to the script, I need to edit. I see.
2: I also do want to say, like something I love about Regina is that she'll bring a song to us, and she'll be like, "I don't know if the like." I don't know if the lyrics in the second verse are like any good like but we can change them later blah 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 and we never do because we're always like this is perfect like I I remember that happened with Cowboy on the Run and it happened with Paris like second verse Regina's always like I don't know about the second verse and I'm always like it's so good like I don't know what you're talking about like I don't know that's just that's a fun little fact about about about, like something I've noticed about the process it's just like yeah I know like yeah because like I can see why you'd be like oh is this too like I don't know interpretational or whatever but it's like it's so vibey, really. I don't know. I just,
5: yeah. I I think I think Paris is definitely one of our songs that is the most um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, like it's it's one of the most poetic. It's one of the most up for interpretation. It's not direct storytelling, you know.
3: Mm. Yeah. So I've never been to Paris, but you can draw me like one of your French girls.
2: Titanic. <laughs> we love referencing other things in our
0: song. Yeah, yeah. And like That's from the those, Titanic. Yeah, I yeah,
2: know we do
5: yeah, yeah, it's from Titanic, um, because it's one of uh, my favorite movies. But also but also it's kind it, it is kind of an emotional shortcut. Because anybody who has seen that movie, which is most people in America, when you hear that, it instantly takes you to that feeling of, like, being so in love and being enamored and being like, oh, oh, Jack. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like new love. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. well, and, being, and and vulnerability, too. Like, mm. in that moment, like, if you've seen the movie, you know what's happening. like she's naked and she's like <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. like that's such a that's such a cool thing like i've never been to paris but you can draw me like one of your french girls that's that's so just like i'm i'm here to be vulnerable with you like and i i love that it is an emotional shortcut that's yeah. a good, good word
3: yeah we know how that ended <laughs> <laughs>
2: And. A true tragic love story actually, of our time.
3: That's not, that's not how our
4: story ended, <laughs> because <laughs> cause we wrote this song. We we're playing it in in the subways for for years, and then eventually we uh we we when we won the the coffee music project, we got. Flown out to London and we we made a stop in Paris while we were there. Oh, you we, did! So you've yeah. been to Paris yeah. as yeah. Now a group. We have been to Paris.
3: Yeah. And did you sing the song in Paris? Of, <laughs> of
4: course! Oh my <laughs> of god,
6: of they loved it. What's there the
4: story you always tell? Yeah, yeah. Well,
5: I was actually worried when we were playing it in Paris that people would be confused because everyone's like, "Well, uh, you're in Paris now. <laughs> uh, what you mean?" <laughs> uh, but but they loved it, and um and it's funny now. Uh, now since we've been to Paris, we've actually been to Paris twice. We've been lucky enough. That we love France. But we actually had a discussion we were like, can we keep on playing this song? Yeah. Does it feel untruthful? But now we kind of will we'll substitute other songs in a joke way. We'll be like, I've never been to Reno or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
6: that's you
4: know? the one that, uh, that William Garrett, our, our friend and producer, uh, he, he really like. He likes to sing the song a la, like, a big band song. <laughs> Uh, but it's called I've Never Been to Reno okay Um, by the way William Garrett has his own his own bandit name I think we'd be remiss not to say his bandit name is Lucky Jesus okay
3: Mm -hmm.
5: yeah Yeah. because because he looks like Jesus except he has white hair so he's Lucky Jesus
4: okay (laughs) he's like the Jesus that got to uh, that got to live to his 50s
3: nice and this song has the oz in it not yeah. the yes. not oh, the woos yeah. or the uh-huh. doo-doos this is uh this is ahs. It's it, more. It's,
5: this this it's is bigger
4: the, this was like conjuring like a cathedral we wanted to conjure cathedral uh resonance uh uh the reverb of like notre dame the reverence yes so, and i i kept thinking about do you know do you remember that movie catch me if you can
3: Yes, I love that movie. Yeah, do you remember? And I've seen the original guy give a speech. Really, Frank Abernathy. It's no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: amazing. Oh wow! But there's a scene in the end where he's like escaped uh, the United States, and he's he's in France, and uh, Tom Hanks like tracks him down. Uh, to this little tiny town in in France and it's snowing. It's like Christmas Eve and there's the midnight mass uh, happening at a church like a couple doors down and you just hear this like beautiful choral music happening in the background of this entire scene. And I, for some reason, like that's, that's what I was thinking about when we were building those It yeah. <laughs> was
3: interesting
5: but um but that uh, but from a fun collaborative standpoint, like that section to me, I feel like really is the hallmark of our our alchemy together because I like i, I remember being very surprised and uh, how like you really surprised me with the the, the chord structures. Yeah. you really kind of went outside the box and and yeah. then like the ahs built on top of it and it ended up being this um I think very
2: unique. unique build we recently got to sing this song with a choir singing the oz behind it and it was (laughs) just like a really cool bucket list moment where it was like i would like to hear that that
3: sounds like i can't always get what you want or something (laughs) opening sequence (laughs) of that well that was always a dream of
4: ours (laughs) we've we've always wanted to do a, a children's choir um in in our songs which we haven't totally met that Bucket list goal yet. Although working with the Urban Choir Project on on the Oz for they're Paris was uh, they're a grown up choir. <laughs> they're adults. Uh, <laughs> we
6: did we did though for our yeah
5: the way we talk about them we're like we love them they're so nice. much they're so cute they're lovely they are full full on adults they're just they're just lovely people, they're all, they're we, lovely people. Should, we should be clear yeah. uh,
4: but although we did we did get to do it like a simulated children's choir on one of the Christmas tunes that we worked out for a little Christmas EP that we did. Uh, we we really we, we invited like th- our six friends that could sing the highest um, to the studio, <laughs> and we just recorded everybody singing at the top of their range as loud as they. could.
2: And you can hear that on our yeah. Christmas EP. Um, it's the which uh, baby please come home is the yeah. song we did it on. It's really h- hilarious.
5: And the EP is called "We Three Bandits." Yes, <laughs> you get we see. Yeah, we like we like to have fun with our names.
3: <laughs> so after the Oz, it's okay. surfboard, softcore, breathe more.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: But what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs>
5: What do you think it means? Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's a good, fair question. Well, well, um, you don't have to answer these questions.
5: I won't answer all of them because uh, I enjoy to. how big it is, but I will, I will say one. So um, Surfboard is uh, from the Beyonce song, "Drunken Love, okay. because when we were writing it, that song was really big. Um, but it's also, also it's like talking about just how th- things just go, you know, things are wavy. I don't know. Things are wavy. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, but that is a direct Beyonce reference. Okay. <laughs> you guys
3: are very referential. That's...
4: Referential and reverential. Yes. We reverential.
3: We reverential. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And uh, we're here with Bandits on the Run. Thank you. Thank
6: you. Thank you. you.